Still in Papua New Guinea with elections approaching, RNZ Pacific has been speaking with political scientist Michael Kabuni about some of the critical issues. In this latest interview, he looks at matters such as the impact of tighter gun laws and the absence largely of policy positions taken by candidates. There had been a possibility also that the seven new seats created last month would have been set aside for women, but this hasn't eventuated, and Don Wiseman began by asking Mr Kabuni about the prospects of women making it into parliament in the July poll. You know, with no reserve seat, I don't want to be pessimistic, but I don't see a good chance for women getting elected in this, in this election. The three women that got elected in 2012 rode on the, on the popularity and awareness that was created when there was a push for first to get women into parliament through the appointed seats. So the constitution allows for four appointed members. So Dame Carol Kidu and, and Michael Somare, who was the prime minister at the time, supported it to appoint four women under this provision. The parliament rejected that. And then they pushed for the creation of 22 reserve seats. And they actually amended the constitution, but couldn't amend the organic law on national and local level government elections, which is the enabling legislation. And that also failed. But what happened was between that period, 2007 and 2012, it generated a lot of awareness and created this consciousness among voters of the need of having women in parliament. And then the three women that got elected in 2012 kind of rode on this awareness. And now after 2017, when no women got elected, there was really no attempt to keep this momentum going. So you are basically starting from nowhere. Although Uh, you don't think that perhaps attitudes might have changed over those 10 years a little? No, I I don't think so. Where is the focus in terms of policy and whatever going into this election? I know that typically PNG elections, no one talks about policy very much at all, do they? But is there any inkling of which way people are leaning going into this election? It's a, you know, not only do politicians don't care about policies, but even voters don't vote based on policies. They vote based on what they can get out from the candidates. So it's a very local affair. It's not on national issues or national priorities. Yeah. But the last day, there was this popular anti, the O'Neill sentiment across the country. PNC had 55 candidates going to election, and they lost more than half of the MPs. So, and that kind of, you can also feel that same sentiment now. There is a popular anti-O'Neill, anti-PNC sentiment, but there is also a good number of people who, are, who already don't like James Marape, basically because when he came into power, he had a lot of promise. And whether it was his fault or not, you know, with COVID-19 and dropping commodity prices and the economy not doing well, but people don't look beyond that. They look at his promise and that he didn't deliver much. So again, there is some anti-punk sentiment around the country as well. So they'll be, you know, voting based on if, if parties play any role, it will be associated with their main figures. Uh, so if you are Pangu and those candidates, then they'll be looking at it. Uh, James Marape do a good job. If you are nominated by PNC, they associate PNC with Peter O'Neill. So they look at, you know, Peter O'Neill and say, did he do a good job? So that's how far, you know, the influence of party goes. Apart from that, it's their one talk or someone who, who gives them something in return. Yes. 
who will head Sam Basile's party? That's a really interesting question, but he does have some uh, incumbent MPs in his party. But it's not clear at this stage who will lead Sam Basile's party. Yes. Uh, but I expect one of those MPs in the current parliament who actually moved, left their party to join him. The party leadership may come from one of these MPs. Now, last time we were talking, we talked about how there's so often gun violence or tribal violence associated with the election. But the government has just brought in tough new rules about the possession of illegal weapons and made it a life sentence if you're caught with one or if you use one. What sort of impact will that have? No, I don't think there's going to be much impact. The solution is not really in laws or, you know, tougher laws or the government even brought in armored vehicles. That's not where the solution is. The solution is making, you know, the existing laws work. So guns are already illegal in Papua New Guinea for anyone to own a gun unless certain circumstances with license and things like that. And the government was not even able to enforce that with wild tribal warfare going on in the islands. The government has not been able to bring that under control. So if you add tough laws like that, I mean, the first question is, how, how do you enforce that? The answer is in increasing the number of police personals all across the country so that there is an increased police presence, presence in each, each of the districts or even local level government, you have a police uh, personal or a police station. You know, I don't have much faith in, in the new law because basically we already have laws that criminalizes the ownership of guns and the government has not been able to enforce them.